The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. One of the scribes came to Jesus and asked him, Which is the first of all the commandments? Jesus replied, The first is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You are right in saying he is one and there is no other than he. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered with understanding, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. Whereas often the questions that are asked of Jesus from the scribes and the Pharisees are ones intentionally meant to trip Jesus up, ones where they say, should you do this or this, such that either way, they have an answer and an ability to be able to be outraged and have an offense against Jesus and ultimately to persecute him. But the question that this scribe gives to Jesus doesn't really have that, at least it doesn't seem so. And by the man's response, even more so, it seems that he actually has a heart that really gets what Jesus is doing and saying. He asked him a simple question, which was not an uncommon question. It was often debated which laws were most important. There were 600-something of them. So which ones are the most important? And which one, really, above all, should be the one that we should make sure that we follow? A valid question. And Jesus doesn't hesitate in giving the answer. He gives it in the form of the Jewish prayer, the Shema, which was given by Moses to the people, which was kept in their homes, kept on their hearts, and indeed on their minds. The Lord your God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your mind, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. The man acknowledges it and responds. And you have to kind of wonder if Jesus went, Huh, someone finally gets it. Someone finally understands. Because so often he met with hardness of heart. But this one seems to be able to make sense of it all. The question is, do we understand exactly what Jesus is saying ourselves? What does it mean for us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength? It doesn't mean that we simply come here to Mass and we just kind of try by brute force to just love Jesus as much as we can here. 
just just love him a whole lot, right? That's not exactly what Jesus is asking for. He's not asking that we become and, and, and we would just kind of just emit this radiant emotional love whenever we come to church. If that happens sometimes, okay, but that's not what Jesus really has in mind. I think it's important for us to reflect upon the fact that Jesus, when he responds, he acknowledges indeed in the traditional manner that you love the Lord in four specific manners. With your heart, with your soul, with your mind, and with your strength. There are four different things that the Lord God invites us to be able to love him in these ways. And so we we come and we reflect upon these things. Asking the Lord to teach us how to love him more ourselves. To love the Lord with all your heart is desire to be with him. To want to be in his presence. To want to have communion with him. To want to know him. To pray to him. To be loved by him. And to love him. To love the Lord with all your heart. Indeed, there's a sense in which there should be some some passion there. Some emotion. Some desire. Some joy in the Lord. Anyone who's ever been a teenager and fallen in love knows that immediately the proper protocol is that you write your beloved's name anywhere and everywhere you can find it. You write it on the backs of notebooks. You write it on your hand. You write it on friends' hands. I remember going home one day when I was madly in love with this beautiful young lady. And so that my parents wouldn't get mad at me for vandalizing my bedroom, I climbed up on top of the bed and climbed to the top of the door of my closet and etched her name into the wood at the top of the door so that it was there, but I didn't get in trouble for it. (laughs) When we love someone, we are passionate about it. And the same thing ought to be done with the Lord. I'm not saying that you have to go home and carve Jesus' name into your bedroom walls, but there is a sense in which when we come to serve the Lord, there should be a joy in our heart at it. It shouldn't be as if we have to Go do our Sunday obligation. I've got to go to church, right? There should be a a certain happiness about it, a delight. To love the Lord with all of our heart. It doesn't mean that it's just an emotional thing. But when we pray, ideally, from time to time at least, there should be some emotion. There should be a desire, a love, a passion for Christ. And this is what the Lord desires of us, to love with all of our heart, is to desire God, to long for him. To love the Lord with all of our soul is to desire to spend time with him. To recognize that simply loving is not enough, but we desire to be with him. To allow our soul to commune with the soul of Christ. Heart speaking to heart. It's a wonderful thing. And yet, I think most of us would recognize that from time to time in our life, or maybe more often in our life, prayer is the easiest thing to set aside. Even as a pastor of a church, as one whose entire life is literally consumed with things of the church, from the moment I wake, from the moment I sleep, my mind is consumed with Christ and his church, this community, this parish. This building, that building, these grounds, these people. 
And yet, in the midst of all of this, when my entire life is supposed to revolve around Christ, it's easy for me to be caught up with doing the external things, to be Martha, rather than to come and to sit with Christ in prayer, to be Mary, who chose the better part. And if I, whose entire life is supposed to be centered around only and everything in the church, you, whose lives are centered around your spouse, your family, your homes, your work, I presume it's probably a little bit difficult for you to find time to pray too. It's easy in the midst of so many things and going on through the course of the day, at the end, just simply to say, thank you, Lord, I'm going to bed. (laughs) And that's our prayer for the day. You know, I've often reflected, there was a a reflection of a a book that I was reading about priestly prayer. And it says sometimes the, the only prayer that a priest sometimes will pray is just a deep sigh at the end of the day. Because there are so many things that he wants to say, he just doesn't know how to say them. Maybe that's your prayer too. At the end of the day, there's so many things that you want to bring before the Lord. So many needs, so many intentions of your heart, so many longings of your heart. At the end, all you have the energy to strengthen, to muster, is to simply go <sighs> and to know that the Lord understands every bit of that sigh without even a word being said. Prayer is necessary for us as much as breath is to life. Prayer is to the soul what breath is to the lungs. Without it, we die. We may not experience it. We may not be able to to see it as quickly as death happens in this life. But dear friends, we all will know it. (laughs) Because we will lack peace. The Lord desires to be with us. To spend time with us and for us to spend time with Him. To love the Lord with all of our soul. And when we come to to pray to Him, not simply to be content with words from somewhere else. I'm not saying don't pray the rosary or pray chaplets or Nuvenia prayers or prayers to saints, prayers composed by saints. Indeed, we should. All of these are good and holy things. But if our spiritual life, our prayer life consists only in these things, then the Lord desires more. He desires our words, our hearts, to ensure that in the midst of other prayers that we may be be praying, to make sure that we actually speak to the Lord heart to heart. That we might be able to love him and be loved by him. This is what it is to love the Lord with all of one's soul. To pray to him regularly, daily. To pray to the Lord with all of one's mind. To love the Lord with all of one's mind rather. Is to know him. Not just kind of about him. But to know him in our mind by study of the faith. And to know him by experience. This is what it is to know the Lord with all of our mind. From time to time, there will be a remark. Father, why is it that you think I need to know all these things? You're the priest. You're the one who went to school for this, not me. There's kind of this implicit recognition oftentimes, or you know, kind of acknowledgement in many hearts of, I don't need to know all of that stuff. I just need to know kind of the basic things to get me by. I know the foundational stuff, and that's good enough, Father. And maybe to some degree that's okay. But whenever that question is raised, 
I often ask another question, and my question is simply this. Do you have family? I presume the answer is yes. Do you have maybe children or grandchildren, siblings, cousins, friends, co-workers, who at any time in, in their relationship with you have asked you about the faith? I'd be willing to bet the answer is yes. And here's the thing. Most of the time, the priest is not around to answer the questions. Questions have answers. Lots of times people have questions. And rather than coming to talk to me personally, they talk to you. And you get their question. And sometimes you don't know the answer. And that's fine. It's not as if we have to know everything. There's sometimes that I don't know the answer. Sometimes I have to go look and do some studying myself on things. It's okay to say, I don't know, but I'll get back to you and to do and, and get back to them. But there's a sense in which we should strive to know our faith. Because the simple fact is our faith is the most beautiful thing in the world. The extent to which God was so mindful that he put this entire structure, this entire system of faith together for us is incredible. That even the smallest of details have significance for us. I mean, we could, we could just go around the church and, and, and talk for hours and hours and hours upon the beauty of just what's sitting around us. Of how integral all of these things are to our faith. How they're meant to build us up, to nourish our life, to increase that love within us. But when it comes down to it, there's one simple reason why we should come to know the Lord in our mind. To study about Him. To read books. To watch movies. To go to talks. To join or even to start Bible studies or small groups. And the simple fact is this. The more you know, the more you love. If I know God only a little bit, I will love only the portion that I know about him. But if I know God in all of these incredible ways to know him in, in these, these different things that I would never have thought about, would never have heard unless I had read, I can't love him there. I can only love him in the specific place that I know him. But to love the Lord in all of these things, to know more is to love more. To love the Lord with all of our mind is to be able to love Him with all of our mind, knowing how incredible and complex and, and profound everything is that comes from His hands. The last one is where things get a little fun. To love the Lord with all of your strength. And I think this is the one we wrestle with the most oftentimes in our world today. Because our world quite often is, is, is determined not by, not by decision, but by sentiment. Sometimes we've forgotten how to say, I think, or I choose. We only say, I feel. We feel something and we go with it. We look at all the, all the, business, the business talk today. Everything is talking about follow your passion. But sometimes passion gets you nowhere. Sometimes we have to follow truth and reason. To follow conviction. Not to follow whim. 
And this is where loving the Lord with all of our strength comes especially important. Jesus, at the hour of his death, when he was in his agony in the garden, he invited the disciples to pray. He told them to pray fervently. He said, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How easy it is for us to love the Lord our God with a passionate love. But when it comes down to actually following the will of the Lord, we struggle or we fall. Or maybe we don't even struggle at all. We just kind of excuse ourselves because I don't really believe that part of what, what the Lord is trying to teach us. I don't, I don't accept that portion of Christ's revelation. How easy it is for us to say we love the Lord and yet how difficult it can be to actually show it. But the two are intimately tied together. Anybody here who is married, imagine yourself in the following situation. You go to your spouse and you say, honey, I love you. And they turn to you and say, I love you too. Can you take out the garbage? Imagine your response of simply saying no. How would they feel? Probably less than excited, huh? (laughs) Honey, I love you. I love you too. Can you go pick up the kids from school? No. Okay. (laughs) Honey, I love you. Can you go take care of the groceries? Can you go pick groceries? Can Can you get dinner running for us? No. How much do we really love? (laughs) I can say I love you very easily. But to show I love you, that's a different ballgame. And this is where Christ especially calls us. And this is where we need his grace most. The spirit is willing. It's easy to say I love the Lord. Peter himself said it in a whole variety of ways. At the Last Supper, you know, when, when, when Peter is saying, you know, Jesus says, you know, you will, you will all deny me. And Peter says, I will never deny you. And then he denies him three times. <laughs> Within the same night. Off my own heart. Lord, I will never, I will never do that. Lord, I love you. I will give you everything, Jesus. Brent, I would like you to give me this one little thing. No. Sorry. <laughs> That's mine. Don't touch that. Right? To love the Lord with all of our strength is to be willing to put the love of our mind, of our soul, and of our heart into action. To live the faith and to live it with boldness. To love the Lord with everything we have. This is what the Lord invites us to. The man in the gospel, the scribe who first offers the question to Jesus about the most important commandment. His response to hearing Jesus say what the commandment is, he says, yes, you are right in saying that the Lord is one and there is no other. You should love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, soul and strength and to love your neighbors yourself. This is better than all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's an important phrase for us to remember. To love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself is worth more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. It was a common thing in, Jew- in Jewish culture. The Jewish culture, if you're not familiar, was uh, a culture that surrounded itself, was in- in- incredibly built up on 
on sacrifices. They had a whole variety of sacrifices, and sacrifices had to be made uh, in, in, in repentance and gratitude and thanksgiving and, and you know, and the whole variety of things. It, you know, annual sacrifices, uh, the Passover, the firstborn child, all of these kinds of things. There was a continuous flow of blood in the temple because of sacrifices of animals being made. And the reality is that those animals were something exterior to the person. It's easy for me to go into the, in, to go into the temple and offer up a lamb because I'm not the one dying. <laughs> it's easy for me to go into the temple and to offer a bull as a whole burnt offering because I'm not the one that's going to be burned up and consumed. But when the Lord says, I want you to be the offering, I want you, your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength to die for me, to be bled for me, to be consumed for me, that's the best part. Don't give me an easy, an easy offering that doesn't cost you something. To love the Lord with our heart, with our mind, our soul, with our strength, it takes will. It takes decision. So this is the grace we ask the Lord today. As we come to this holy house of the Lord, to pray that he might increase our love. And I would invite you, especially through the course of this week, reflect back upon these four ways of loving the Lord. And see what, which or where your love needs to increase. Because indeed all of us it needs to increase. Myself included, first and foremost. To reflect upon where it is the Lord desires more love from you. And rejoicing to give it to him. So we ask the grace of the Lord Jesus to be with us as we offer these mysteries. To fill us with a great extent of his love. That experiencing his love here and now in this holy mass, we might be able to return that love to him as we go forth from here, living the course of our days. We ask this through the intercession of our Blessed Mother of St. Joseph, our patron, through the intercession of St. Anne and of St. Vincent, and especially through the intercession of all the saints whom we continue to honor in this holy day.